Hey, it's Emily Williams, the founder of I Heart My Life and your host of the I Heart My Life show. This is episode 180, The Dynamic Laws of Prosperity, part three. So today we're continuing our work on the incredible book, The Dynamic Laws of Prosperity by Catherine Ponder. We're looking at chapters seven through nine today, and those are going to cover the prosperity law of increase, prosperous attitudes, as well as your work and how your work is actually a mighty channel for prosperity, as she calls it in the book. Now, we're going to continue to reprogram our mind to create more wealth. And a lot of what she covers in these chapters is completely mind-blowing. But when you really take a look at it, it's so, so obvious. It's just that most of us have not been taught to think in this way. There's one quote in particular that I'm going to bring your attention to in this episode that literally had my jaw on the floor. I was blown away by it, and I cannot get it out of my mind. I know it's going to completely change the game for you as well. What I recommend for this episode is that you actually get a notepad ready to take some notes because there's some really important golden nuggets here. There are quotes that I actually mentioned multiple times because they're so important. So take some notes. I also hope at this point you've ordered this book. We're going to continue with this series until it's complete. So let's go ahead and dive in. I want to get you all this incredible content. I know it's going to be a game changer for you. So let's go for it. Are you looking to transform your relationship with money? Are you looking to make more money? Are you looking to increase your sales or maybe support your team in making more sales? If so, keep listening. We have our iHeart Money course available just for you. This is my signature course that helps you uncover all the things that are stopping you from creating more wealth. We go through eight modules together. You get a workbook plus video trainings, as well as access to over 20 hours of group coaching calls that I recorded with real life women who want to make more money. You're going to get so much from this program, and I want to give you an opportunity to get it at 15% off. So if you go to iheartmylife.com and go to our courses page, you're going to see iHeartMoney on there. If you use the promo code podcast, you're going to save that 15%. We'll also link it in the show notes. I want to make sure that you are able to create as much wealth as you desire, because that's the only way that you're going to be able to impact the world and step fully into your purpose and have all of the opportunities that you desire. You deserve to live a life of abundance. You deserve to be fully satisfied. You deserve to be fulfilled. And that's what I Heart Money is all about. So again, it's perfect for you if you are a new entrepreneur. It's perfect for you if you are a seasoned entrepreneur looking to go to the next level. It's perfect for you if you're in a career and you want to have a raise. It's perfect for you if you want to support your team and going to the next level. Maybe you have a sales team and you want to help them hit their next level money goals. It's also perfect for you if you want to learn all about money mindset and teach it to your clients. So again, go to iheartmylife.com, go to the courses page and check out iHeartMoney and use the promo code podcast to save 15%. All right, let's dive into chapter seven through nine. So chapter seven is called prosperity law of increase. She says the use of the law of increase is easy and pleasant. It consists first in establishing and maintaining an attitude of rich increase toward everything and everybody. In other words, let your main thought when thinking of yourself and others be the thought of riches, prosperity, success, and victorious good. Just by thinking of yourself and others as rich, successful, prosperous, and victorious, you help make it so. 
And I love the point here where she's talking about not just thinking about yourself as rich, but others as well. And she's going to share some examples of this as we move forward. So she talks a little bit about how there was a gentleman in particular who owed some money to a certain person. And when he went into their office to have a conversation about it, that that person who he owed the money to saw him as rich and prosperous and basically had faith that he would be able to pay back the debt. And that made him have faith that he'd be able to pay it back. And he actually found the money and was able to repay them. He says, the other morning when you walked into my office, I was feeling so low and such a failure in my business affairs that if you had criticized me, I would have immediately given up and gone to my lawyer's office and declared bankruptcy. But because that person who he was in debt to believed in him, he was able to shift things and believe in himself. So for those of you who run businesses, maybe you have clients who have outstanding debt to you. So what would it look like to actually have faith that they were going to be able to repay that amount and not only have faith, but actively send them positive thoughts and good vibes around their bank account, around their financial affairs? Think about how often we actually go into resentment or anger about somebody owing us money money, when we could actually shift that and believe that they have the money. Then she goes on to talk about the fact that we always either use the law of increase or decrease, okay? She says, the normal desire for increased goods should not be condemned or suppressed. How wonderful to use the law of increase rather than the negative law of decrease. Often when people criticize, condemn, and belittle others, they do not realize that through the law of the mind action, they are asking for the same things to happen to them. She says, never waste your time giving yourself or others a thought of decrease. Like bread cast upon the water, what you send out comes back to you multiplied. It will produce corresponding experiences in your own life. That's such an incredible reminder. Again, we often go to anger. We often go to criticize people when we're in a a negative place or when we're thinking that they've wronged us. But you have to remember, regardless of the situation, what you're sending out is what you're going to get back. Then she talks about invoking the law of increase in simple ways. She says, you can invoke the law of increase in simple ways. You should speak the law of increase about yourself and others boldly and positively. You should look and act out the law of increase. You should write out notes of increase, an image, and affirm rich increase. Often, we have used the law of decrease rather than the law of increase and have only delayed our prosperity. We have been like children of Israel who remained on the border of the promised land for 40 years, when they might have just gone forth into the land reportedly flowing with milk and honey. And this is where she goes into a story from the Bible, which I think is really interesting, so I'm going to read it out to you. She says, Perhaps Joshua and Caleb are two of the most prosperous thinkers of the Bible. Of the 12 messengers who Moses sent in to inspect the promised land, they were the only two who returned with proof of its riches in the form of an enormous bunch of grapes. When the other messengers reported that the land was rich, but inhabited by warlike tribes, Joshua and Caleb confidently added to the law of increase to the situation by declaring, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the majority of the, of the, the people, the followers, were against this plan, and the Hebrews remained in the wilderness. 
Years later, when they finally did go into the promised land, they discovered those warlike tribes were not as big as giants as previously reported. They were discovered and they discovered that the people of Jericho had been as afraid of them as they had been afraid of the people of Jericho. These people had seen the smoke from their campfires across the Jordan River and had feared that there must be hundreds of thousands of them rather than only 40,000. Thus, the Hebrews discovered that the people they feared were also afraid of them. (laughs) Through their own hesitation to go in and claim their good, they had only prolonged their stay in the wilderness. Eventually, they had to face the situation and master it anyway. The same applies to each of us. If you use the law of decrease and limit your good, you are never satisfied with the limited result. Eventually, you have to begin begin applying the law of increase anyway. So why not do it in the beginning and get into your promised land of greater good rather than remaining in the wilderness of of want, lack, and privation? I think this is so, so powerful. The whole point of that whole story is the fact that at some point we have to take action. And so why in the world would we keep delaying it and not shift our mindset, not conquer our fears, not move forward when we're going to have to do that at some point anyway, unless we want to stay in the wilderness, so to speak, for the rest of our lives. And of course, we don't. Then she goes on to talk about, again, giving others the thought of increase. You should convey the impression of increase with everything you do so that all people will receive the rich impression. Speak words of increased good to others often. You may never know how much this means, but the results will show forth. When speaking of someone, speak in terms of their success only. If you know someone who has been making a comeback from past mistakes, contribute to his unfolding success by ignoring his past and emphasizing only his present good. Not only will you add to his increased good, but you can be assured that the skeletons in your own closet will be rattled less. So again, do unto others as you would have done unto yourself. Clearly, this is really important. She says, people unconsciously go where there's an atmosphere of increase. I'm going to read that again. People unconsciously go where there's an atmosphere of increase. So this is really important for those of you who are in sales in some respect. We are looking to improve people's lives. They're going to unconsciously want to be around you if you are all about increase, increasing their health, increasing their wealth, increasing their happiness. And if you live a life in that way as well, they may not know what's drawing them to you, but it, it, it has to do with the law of increase. She says, do not think, talk, or act any way but prosperously. Do not allow others to talk to you in any way but prosperously. Do not read anything or take seriously anything that is printed or said that seems contrary to prosperous thinking. We all know that we are who we surround ourselves by. We know that phrase about the five people that you spend the most time with. They're the ones who you're going to be most like. Think about that. That's really, really important here. Then she goes on to tell a story about a gentleman who was in conversation with somebody who was in a negative headspace, and they were thinking in terms of lack. They felt like nothing was working for them. And he said this phrase, which I really love, that you can also use when you're dealing with people who might be in that same place. He says, there's plenty of money in the world, there's plenty of wealth, and there are plenty of wealthy resources to be developed and tapped. I refuse to believe in anything but wealth and prosperity for myself for you and for mankind. 
again, you can put your own spin on this, but it's something that can be used when you're in conversation with people who are going into a negative space. Then she says, the author, she says, expect to be pro- become prosperous. Start thinking and speaking in those terms and no other. Remind yourself often that scattered idle thoughts, words, and expectations bring scattered idle, poverty-stricken results. Hitch your mental image of prosperity to the rich star of success and keep it there. Then she goes on to talk about how to overcome discouragement and disappointment. She says, when you are tempted to become discouraged in your efforts towards greater prosperity, remind yourself that to think according to the general beliefs, so that's like common thinking of the human race is easy, but also useless. But to think prosperously in spite of appearance, appearances to the contrary is worth every effort because it produces rich, rich results. So I love how she talks about how thinking in the same way that everyone else thinks is easy and it's also useless. It's also could be called lazy because we are trained to think in a certain way. But if you're looking to transform your life in your bank account, that's where you have to make an effort to really think in a different way. Another way to invoke the law of increase, she says, and thus to avoid the pettiness and destructiveness of the law of decrease is by training your mind never to be disappointed. If certain things do not come at certain expected times in the way that you wished, do not consider it a failure. Since you have not received that thing, you can instead stand firm in the faith that something much better is on the way and will appear at the right time. When you seem to fail, remind yourself that this is because you have not asked big enough. How awesome is that? When you seem to fail, remind yourself that it's because you have not asked big enough. Expand your viewpoint and expectation and a larger answer than you originally anticipated will surely come. Now listen to this. This is really important. You're going to want to write this down. Failure is nothing but success trying to be born in a bigger way. I read this out as I was getting my nails done the other day and I my jaw was on the floor. I was like, that is incredible. Failure is nothing but success trying to be born in a bigger way. Most seeming failures are just installments towards victory. How awesome is that? Listen to that one on repeat, write it down, make a little card, put it on your computer to remember that anytime you feel like something is not working. And I'm saying that to myself as well, by the way. All right, the next thing that she reminds us is to avoid hurry. She says, as you invoke the law of increase, remember there is no hurry, force, or push on the prosperous plane of life, and there is no lack of opportunity. Do all that you can to do in a successful manner every day, but do it as calmly as possible without undue haste, worry, or fear. Go as fast as you can, but do not hurry. The moment you begin to hurry, you cease to be prosperous in your thinking and you become fearful which is the prologue, the prologue to failure, okay? The prologue to failure. Whenever you find yourself hurrying along, trying to force a result, call a halt. Fix your attention on the mental image of the thing you're working toward, then begin to, get, begin to give thanks that you are receiving it and accomplishing it in God's wonderful way. Then she talks about the fact that there was a sales lady who she knew who had this feeling that there was so much to do. But when she feels that way, she actually does the complete opposite. She does nothing. And she takes time. She relaxes. She has a cup of coffee. And then she regains her equilibrium. And when she does that, only then when she feels calm and at peace, does she actually continue to take that action. And normally from a calm space, she can accomplish twice as much in half the time. 
I'm sure we can all relate to that. Then she goes on to say that she discovered that one person who uses the power of prosperous thinking has more control of a situation than a whole army of of hurried, harried people who scatter their power in rushing around. And she talks about, she says, this is a great phrase, actually, write this one down as well. Don't get jammed in a half-closed door. Let it close. Be ready for the new doors that you wish to open, open all the way for you. And I love that. So how many people are getting jammed in a half-closed door, freaking out that the door isn't opening, that things aren't working, that it's not what we expected? Remember what she says here, failure is nothing but success trying to be born in a bigger way. Most seeming failures are just installments towards victory. All right, so that's chapter seven. Let's go on to chapter eight here, which is called Prosperous Attitudes. She says, as you study the lives and experiences of prosperous-minded people, you will find that they generally have a friendly attitude towards money, whereas you'll discover that the more general attitude is that there's something wrong with having money and being prosperous. I'm sure many people can relate to that. People often discount the importance of money in one breath, and yet they admit that they're work- working very hard to get it in the next. I'm sure you know people who are like this. They, they have something wrong with money. They don't believe that it's okay to want a lot of money, and yet they're working super hard to achieve that next level of financial success. She says here, they do not realize the cross current that they are setting up in their thinking, which in turn voids most of their efforts. So think about it like this. If you're working towards something and yet uh, subconsciously you don't want it and you believe that it's wrong to have it, well, that's an energetic mismatch. And so the effort you're putting in is actually going to be voided by your thinking because you're going to self-sabotage. You're going to stop yourself from taking the action because ultimately your mind is not aligned with the action that you're taking. She says, in most instances, a person's capacity to earn money would increase if his attitudes towards money were positive and friendly. It was the late Mike Todd who has been quoted saying, I've never been poor, only broke. Being poor is a frame of mind. Being broke is a temporary situation. Don't you love that? Being broke is a temporary situation. She says, since it is the law of the mind action that you attract whatever you appreciate and repel whatever you depreciate, money responds accordingly. If you think favorably about money, you multiply and increase it in your midst. Whereas if you criticize and condemn it in any form, either your own money or another's, you dissipate and repel it from you. Since your thoughts make your world, your thoughts about money have to be appreciative in order for money to appreciate you and be attracted to you. In talking with hundreds of people about their financial affairs, I have discovered that often when they do not have enough money to meet life's demands, it is because they have been scoffing and condemning money in financial matters, theirs or another's. When we do not have enough money to meet life's demands, it is often because of our depreciation of money. If you think of yourself as prosperous, but of, of others as living in lack, through the law of action and reaction, you are inviting the same thing to happen to you. The golden rule of prosperous thinking is that you should not think or say anything concerning another's financial affairs that you would not want to experience in your own. For me, that was a light bulb moment. How often are we judging other people for not having enough or, you know, for anything? Just think about the judgment that occurs on a daily basis. I remember when James and I were working with one of our coaches, she encouraged us to practice forgiving ourselves for judging. 
So literally any time we would catch ourselves judging someone or a situation throughout the day, we would say, I forgive myself for judging. And it was amazing how many times we had judgments and about ourselves, about others, and, and how many times throughout that day period that we had to forgive ourselves for judging. It was really eye-opening. And so just remember that what we put out, we get back. And that includes the thoughts in our minds, all right? This is not an overnight thing. In our company, we work with clients to help them transform their thinking. And we talk about flipping the switch. And remember that these are thoughts that you've been programmed to think for decades, for generations, right? It's not even just your thoughts. It's people in your past, your parents, your grandparents, who've been thinking in a certain way. And so this is not going to be an overnight thing where you automatically don't think in a certain way or in a, in a common way. So we need to practice shifting those thoughts. But the more you observe yourself having those thoughts, the more awareness you will have and you'll start to transform. She says, affirming that the divine law of love, justice, and perfect equ- equity would manifest for the highest good of all concerned in this situation. So that's a little phrase here that you can say if you are finding yourself in judgment of somebody. So instead of going into the place of judgment, say, I affirm that the divine law of love, justice, and perfect equity would manifest for the highest good of all concerned in the situation. So even if there's somebody who has upset you or owes you money or whatever it may be, use that phrase or something similar to release all of that judgment. Then she has a section of this chapter that says how to make money your servant. She says, on the other hand, to envy another's money indicates a belief in the lack of sufficient supply for everyone. So if you are suffering with jealousy, I want you to listen to this. She says, remember that you will get, you will experience what you most strongly give your attention to. When you hear of another's good fortune, rich inheritance, or wealthy possessions, you should do so with great joy and appreciation. One of the things we talk about at I Heart My Life is allowing your jealousy to give you clarity. Obviously, if you're experiencing jealousy, it's something that you want. So it could be somebody who does have money, someone who has a house, someone who has a successful business, someone who has a book deal, and you experience some sort of jealousy. But what she's saying here is that jealousy can also be a sign that you believe there's a lack of supply. So immediately when you've experienced that jealousy, that's why we teach you, and I hurt my life, to use that jealousy as an indication of what you want and to automatically give so much thanks that you've been given that awareness and that someone has shown you what is possible and to remind yourself that they're human, having a human experience, and they're showing you what's possible, which means the same thing is possible for you. The issue with jealousy is that sometimes we allow it to believe to, to let us believe that it's not possible for us and there's not enough, right? So when we see somebody who has the beautiful house or the business or the clients, we think, oh no, they've taken all the clients or it's not possible for me to have what they have. We really need to shift that as soon as possible when that jealousy arises and start to recognize and celebrate when people have achieved big things because of what it means for us. It means there's another reminder of the abundance that is available for all of us. Then she says, money seems so charged with divine intelligence that it seems to tune in on what you say or what you think about it and it responds accordingly. Charles Fillmore has written, watch your thoughts when you are handling money because your money is is attached through your mind to one source of all substance and all money. When you think of your money, which is visible as something directly attached to to an invisible source that is giving you or withholding according to your thought, 
you have the key to all riches and the reason for all lack. So think about it. Think about there being an infinite amount of money out there. There's a source of this money. Maybe you want to think about it as a bank. Maybe you want to think about it as God. It doesn't matter. But it's all there in existence. And your thoughts either attract it to you or they cause that withholding pattern. She says, money is filled with the desire for life, movement, expansion, and activity. It does not like to be grasped, clutched, or restrained in idleness. Indeed, it is the active circulation of money that brings prosperity, whereas depressions and recessions are caused by the miserly, the miserly hoarding of money. Now, we talked about this on a previous episode. I had a coach who would actually spend more money if it seemed like money was kind of stagnant and not coming in. It was kind of in a holding pattern. Now, again, this is not about you going out and spending everything that you have in order to get things flowing, but you have to take a look at whether you're holding on to money in a way that is, you know, clutched, restrained, grasped in a way that makes it seem or puts the energy out there um, displaying your belief that there's not enough. And so you have to hold on to your money, right? She says depressions and recessions are caused by the hoarding of money. Are you currently hoarding your money? What would it look like and how would you be showing up if you actually believe there was an abundance of money out there for you? Then she talks about, again, the language that you're using around wealth. So she says, never declare, I can't afford this. It is also unwise to magnify financial difficulties. If you brag about your financial troubles, to gain sympathy or attention, then you will always have financial troubles to brag about. This is so huge. I want you to all understand this. Everyone has done this at some point, especially those of us with victim tendencies. Maybe we've been taught that we will get more love if we show up as a victim. A lot of people have been taught that. And so they will constantly show up as a victim. There's always something wrong. They always are in a place of not having enough. Okay. And she also talks about how we should be receiving. She says it is both an offense. It is an offense to both both the gift and the giver for the recipient to declare, oh, you shouldn't have done that. So when someone gives you a gift, how often do we say, oh, you shouldn't have done that. That's too much. That's like a slap in the face when you really think about it. Someone has just given you something and you're actually rejecting it. So remember, everything that you're doing on a daily basis is basically a signal. It's an energetic um, pattern. It's an energetic feeling that you're putting out into the universe. It's a thought that you're putting out into the universe. So you ask yourself, am I actually putting out what I desire to get back? Do I want to essentially reject gifts? And again, this might seem very strange to uh, change the way that you're thinking, change the way that you've been you know, told and taught to, to show up. Of course, people have been taught to be humble. They've been taught to say, oh, no, that's too much. You didn't need to do that or you shouldn't have done that, right? That's the thing we were taught to say. But when we really think about that, that's creating the opposite effect of what we actually want. We want to receive more. And so it's, you, it's really important that you show gratitude towards everything that is coming your way. Then she gives a little uh, mantra here that I think is super powerful that I wanted to read out. This is a great one if you are looking to get money flowing into your life. She says, all financial doors are open, all financial channels are free, and endless bounty now comes to me. Love that. 
Then she goes on to say, as you appreciate substance and know that it is everywhere universally present in the ethers about you, as you realize that it is passive and waits to be formed and brought into visibility by your thoughts and words, you will realize that you have control of the invisible world of rich substance and rich supply, as well as the visible world of riches. So let's break this down a little bit. What she's saying here again is that there's basically money being held It's universally present in the ethers about you, and it's passive until your thoughts attract it or repel it, okay? That's where she says, and waits to be formed and brought into visibility by your thoughts and words. And she goes on to say, you will realize that you have control of the invisible world of the rich substance and rich supply, which is really amazing news. You have control, and you get to decide if you're going to be that magnet or if you're going to repel it. And that's due to the way you think about money, the way that you show up, the way that you um, handle your relationships, the conversations that you engage in, all of it, everything we've been talking about. Then she says, from a financial theory, excuse me, from a financial standpoint, we can use the theory of relativity. It is the formed and unformed worlds that are relative. If your finances get low, you can use the law of relativity to produce either money or its financial equivalent to to meet your needs. If your substance hasn't manifested as money, don't get panicky. Instead, declare that divine substance is the one and only reality in this situation. Divine substance does not fail to manifest in rich, appropriate form here and now. So what she's saying here is that sometimes we can only see the appearance of lack, but we need to remember that even if the money hasn't manifested in our life, it's still out there, again, present in the ethers. It's passive. So you use your mind and your work, which we'll talk about in a second in the next chapter, to bring it into your life. Okay? I hope this is helpful and that I think this chapter in particular is so, so powerful when it comes to reminding us that being poor truly is a frame of mind and that we need to continue to be the observer of our thoughts and only put thoughts and words and actions out there that we know we want to come back to us. All right, let's go on to chapter nine, which is work, a mighty channel for prosperity. Now, I'm going to preface this with saying that this chapter is all about how your work and the way that you show up and your vocation can bring about prosperity. But what it also covers is for those of us who are in a role or a job that we aren't actually excited about, it talks about how to handle that and how to actually shift into happiness, joy, and prosperity even before things start to tangibly change. This is a really important chapter for those of you who might feel stuck or discouraged, or maybe you're running your dream business, but you feel like you want to transition, you want to pivot, and you're not quite where you want to be, okay? So she starts off with saying, the world is filled with people who are working hard to become more prosperous every day, yet many of them are not becoming prosperous at all. Why? Often because they are not thinking about prosperity and success along with working at it. Their attitude is not right. For all of the hard work they do that should produce prosperity, they neutralize it by their failure talk, by their association with failure-minded people, and perhaps by their criticism and condemnation of others who are moving up the ladder of success. I literally want you to listen to this, write down all of those things, and put a check next to anything that you are currently participating in. So number one, it says, 
often because they are not thinking about prosperity and success along with working at it. So that's one thing. Are you not thinking about prosperity and success? Next one is their attitude is not right. So is your attitude about money not right? So next one is they neutralize it by their failure talk and by their association with failure-minded people. So are you talking about failure? Are you associated with failure-minded people? Then the last point here is their criticism and condemnation of others who are moving up the ladder of success. So are you speaking negatively about people who are becoming successful? If any of those things you have a check mark by, that's what I want you to work on because that's blocking the flow of money into your life. Then she goes on to say, they have not realized that there must be an inworking of prosperous ideas before there can be an outworking of prosperous results. An inworking of prosperous ideas before there can be an outworking of prosperous results. Thus, the preceding chapters were necessary to condition attitudes for the rich good the expanding prosperity, and the enduring satisfaction that should be yours in the process of work. So what she's saying is all of the work that we've done up until this point, all of the lessons that she's taught us were really important to get us to this point. Then she goes on to talk about how work is divine. She even says that work is love made visible. She goes on to talk about how William James once stated that 90% of us are only using 10% of our mind power. And psychologists believe that every human being has a dynamo of concentrated creative energy, which is ever seeking new avenues of expression. The desire for prosperity and for beneficial self-expression in work is but a, a part of creative energy trying to express in our lives. When the right avenues are found for the constructive outlet of that creative energy and the right attitudes are established, man is happy, well-adjusted, and considers his work divine. So think about it. So your work is just your creative energy looking to be released. But when right avenues of expression have not been found and the right attitudes are not established, the same creative energy is restricted to being expressed in mediocre ways. Then man is unhappy, considers work a curse instead of the divine blessing that is intended to be. So you can all probably relate to this. At some point, you felt like you were creatively stifled or that you weren't in alignment with your work or you hadn't discovered your passion, okay? And so that's when the energy is restricted and you feel stuck. Then she goes on to talk about what to do if you are in that place. So she says, your present circumstances are for a purpose. Let's face this issue squarely. You may discover that where you are right now for the, or you may discover that you are where you are right now for the purpose of redeeming certain character traits or certain attitudes of mind, which have impeded your progress in the past. So basically she's saying you may be where you are right now because you have to change. You have to learn some sort of lesson in order to get to the next level. If you are in work that you don't like, realize that you are there for a purpose, which may be to develop divine qualities that will eventually alley add to your general progress and advance you further up the ladder of success. Okay, so we all know that there have been experiences in our past that have led us to where we are today. They have shaped us. It's the same thing with your current situation. She says, after entering the ministry, I realized that every job, big and little, that I held along the way was part of my training for the lecture platform, for the counseling room, and for my writing ministry. 
Your immediate need is therefore to discipline your attitudes and actions so as to glean the good from your present experiences and pass beyond them to higher phases of self-expression and satisfying work as soon as possible. In other words, when the pressure of desiring more good is upon you, when this, when dissatisfaction with your present way of life ails you, or when the pressure of financial strain disturbs you, it is then that you are feeling the actual pressure of your talents and abilities, which are straining to express or press forth through richer degrees of success and prosperity. So that's all that's happening. So you have talents and abilities that are looking to be released, okay? James used to say this to me when we first met. He was like, it's like this, you have this, this, light inside of you and you don't know where to shine it. You don't know where to turn. It's just there and it's kind of stuck and stagnant. She goes on to talk about how things cannot improve in an outer way until things in an inner way change because the inner processes of the mind control all of the outer experiences of our lives. That's really important. The inner processes of the mind control all of the outer outer experiences of our lives. Nothing can stop you from moving towards your goals mentally as you ask divine intelligence intelligence, what next steps you are to take to bring forth your desires. That's exactly what's happening here. So you're looking to bring forth your desires. So you want to ask, and again, maybe you believe that this is God. Maybe you believe this is your intuition. Maybe it's the universe, whatever it is. Ask, what are the next steps for me to take to bring forth my desires? She says, a new opportunity will open whenever you have gained all of the discipline and knowledge that the old work has to offer you. So remember, you are in a certain place at the moment for a reason. There's a lesson. There's a, there's some knowledge to be gained. There's some discipline to be gained. Remind yourself that there is no work that is high or low so long as it is essential to the welfare of anyone. So perform it as efficiently as you can, as long as you are active in it. I know that Marie Forleo tells the story of working in a bar in the evenings as she was building her coaching business. And she did that to the best of her ability. She knew that how you do one thing is how you do everything. So she put herself forth in a positive way and she had conversations with people. She handed out her business card. She actually talks about how she got clients from being such a bright light in that space and being herself and putting herself out there even when she was in a job that from the outside looking in had nothing to do with what she wanted to do long-term. Then then the author here talks about how despair is usually an emotional indication that the tide is turning and that the dawn is coming sooner than you think. This is really important. For those of you who are in a place of despair, you have to remember this. And right now, you're, you're basically experiencing the law of polarity, Right. You're on one side of the spectrum, which is despair, and then you have joy or whatever you want to say, abundance on the other side of the spectrum, okay? And you just need to move from one side to the, to the other. And oftentimes when you're in such an extreme place, that means the other extreme is about to happen. The dawn is coming sooner than you think. When things appear at a, sta- a standstill, remember the principle of physics, which states that the entire universe is in constant motion that we are live, we move, we have our being in in an ocean of motion through which our five outer senses, we do not fully realize it. Nothing actually stands still. Everything is is constantly changing, whether it seems to be or not. So I think that this is such a great reminder. Sometimes we feel stuck. Sometimes we feel like nothing is happening, but that's actually not possible. There's always something that is happening, which is a really important reminder. 
Then she goes on to talk about whether, you know, if you're in a place where you feel like things are standing still or you're in a place of despair, she talks about the saturation technique. And I was really excited about this because this is actually something we call living as if at I Heart My Life. In a lot of our programs, we talk to our clients about how they can start to live as if they already have the life that they want. So she talks about saturating yourself in atmospheres of plenty and in associations with successful people. So basically, she's saying that this is where you put yourself in the room. This is where you go and you visit the five-star hotel. This is where you go and you take a look at the hotels you want to stay in when you book that trip to Italy. This is where you go to the store where you want to buy the designer clothes. This is where you get yourself into the conference with people who are having six-figure, seven-figure years. Okay? You put yourself into the game. You live as if. Or hers, her way of saying it is the saturation technique. She says, when trying to convince yourself that greater success and prosperity can and shall be yours, but there seems no evidence of it at present, this is the time to walk through the banks of your city, observing all the successful people who have plenty of money to work with. So I love doing this as well. Even now, I think about um, when there have been times where I've looked up five-star hotels and I see that they're fully booked, right? I look up uh, different properties, you know, seven, 10, $20 million properties, and I see that they've been sold. There are people who have purchased those things, and they are just normal people, people who have chosen to have a different experience, people who might know some of what we're teaching here today, but there's still people having a human experience, and you get to decide whether you have that experience or not. Then she talks about a five-part success formula. This is the last part I want to cover with you here today. She says, number one, as nearly as you can, form a mental picture of what you want your life to be like. Number two, after forming a picture of what you desire, begin developing and living your desire mentally. Begin thinking of the desired results as though they were already obtained. You thereby take mental possession of your desired good and quicken its manifestation. I love that. You take mental possession. Take mental possession of it before you take physical possession. Number three, ask divine intelligence to show you the next step towards attaining your desired picture of good. Number four, persist and persevere in knowing that congenial work can and shall be yours. Number five, continue giving your best in your present situation, even though you may be mentally living beyond it. Now, this pertains to anyone who's in the situation of maybe not being in a job or role that you like. But I want to point out that this is also great for those of us, even you know myself, who are in a current role in business and looking to pivot and shift into the next level. So for example, I do a lot of things that I hurt my life that I know I'm not always going to be doing. So when we have new team members, things will start to shift. So I can already see myself having that next level role, something that's even more in alignment. I can see us really um, pivoting into a new way of doing things within I Heart My Life and having a different phase and different facet to the company. I can see all of that. And so as she talks about here, I'm already taking mental possession of the desired good, but it hasn't yet happened. Okay, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to give my all to the current circumstance because the current circumstance is going to help me get to that next level. All right, I hope this was helpful for you today. I'll look forward to chatting with you on the next episode. We're going to go even deeper into this book. I'm really obsessed with this book, as you can probably tell. I hope you're sharing this episode far and wide and this whole series far and wide because so many people need it. Thank you so much for your attention. 
I hope you loved today's episode. It was super fun for me to record. Definitely take some action on some of the tips that I gave you in today's episode. You can also go to our courses page on iheartmylife.com and check out our iHeart Money course. This is perfect for you if you want to start transforming your money mindset to create more wealth. We also have our special money audio on that page, so you can check that out as well. Thank you so much for being a part of the show, and I'll look forward to talking to you next time. We hope you love this episode. Thank you so much for being an avid listener of the I Heart My Life show. Take a second and leave a review. It would mean so much to us, and we read all of them. And for further inspiration and life and business tips about creating a life that you love and achieving massive success, definitely follow us at I Heart My Life on Instagram and at I Heart My Life Now on Facebook. See you next time.